Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health, and I'm really excited about our conversation today. I think it's going to be a really interesting one. Our guest is Barbara Wyth. She is an international peace activist, award-winning author and publisher, a psychic channel, composer and performer, workshop facilitator, and inspirational speaker. She's the co-founder of Conflict Revolution, a revolutionary way to resolve conflicts of the psyche based on her work channeling Albert Einstein. She's authored six books on metaphysics. She teaches and trains conflict resolution in the classroom and online and lectures on her Einstein's unified theory, maps of human consciousness, and the science of compassion. Welcome, Barbara. Hey, Adriana and your listeners, so glad to be here. So glad to have you. Um, I know that uh, we have some really interesting material to dive into, but let's start with your story. How did you come to be doing this incredible work that you're doing? Well, I want to um, explain it in terms of what you deal with here, having to do with kind of alternative mental health and uh, traumatic issues, because I think a lot of people who are in the intuitive arts probably have that kind of background. I came from a very abusive household, the sexual abuse and emotional abuse, and it created a dissociation that while it was, as we all know, a challenging thing, it really helped me nurture my intuitive side from that place. And it started out with music because I started playing music when I was very, very young. I started teaching myself piano and once about 12, I started to write, write music. And one of the reasons I wrote music was because I was so tortured and I didn't have any kind of support system for it that I, I would always say, if I don't get this up and out of me, I think I'm going to die. And so I started to write copiously amounts of music that were uh, very um, expressive of that trauma. But that makes for good music. So I went out on the road right after high school. And for 20 years, I was a musician. And all I wanted to be was a rock star. But when I went to high school and met uh, a man named Mike, a guy named Mike, and he invited me to come and see what his mom did. He didn't tell me what it was. And it turns out she was a psychic. So I studied with Eunice for a very long time, 10, 12 years. I would see her a couple times a year. And then in 1987, I started to spontaneously automatic write. And I knew what it was, but I was still very surprised that it was coming out of me. And when I asked these voices, you know, who they were, uh, the, the answer was sound. And I just thought at the time that 
okay, I'm a musician. I'm a, a writer. I go and listen for music. So I was okay with that. But Eunice always said she was an antenna rather than channeling entities or angels or anything. And that's how I felt when I started to channel. I was just picking up some higher information that I was giving back to your human mind. And in 1993, I just got really curious and I wanted to see what, what would happen if I channeled for a group of people. I had seen different channels, Jane Roberts and Edgar Cayce and Abraham Hicks. And I thought, what, what would these voices say? And nobody who I was working with seemed to be interested. But then came this new group of women coming for readings. And there was Teresa, and then she sent all her friends, and then she sent her best friend, Kim. And about the time that I was thinking, oh, here's my group, they were getting together and saying, hey, do you think Barbara would come over and and talk more about all this stuff that we've been learning? And so in December of 1993, I sat down. We had no idea what was going to happen. And basically what happened was, as we organized these groups in, in our living rooms, the entities suddenly said, you can call us angels. And I'll admit I was a little skeptical, but the information that they were giving us was so divine and it was so changing our lives for the better. Uh, and so we were okay with that. And they said they were here, they had developed this theory about res resolving conflict in a particular way that they felt was gonna be revolutionary and that would lead to the byproduct being world peace, being a global influence, but it was a personal uh, resolution within of these conflicts and they needed humans with real conflicts to test it on. So I'm not really sure what we thought back then, but we were so completely devoted to this work because it was changing our lives. And they told us to keep records. So we kept our diaries as we went. And uh, in 1997, we published them, Diaries of a Psychic Sorority, Talking with the Angels. And when we put that book out, it got the interest of a paranormal tabloid in London that was looking for an afterlife interview with Princess Diana from beyond the grave. And I had never done any such thing, but being the curious person, I thought, well, you know, let's try it. And I, so I channeled both the questions and the answers in writing and I printed it out and I read it and I was so profoundly moved by her voice and what she was saying. She was saying, we have to make peace. If everybody who put flowers in front of the palace after I died would do this and make peace, we could have world peace. And so the tabloid who flew me out to New York and interviewed me for five hours did not want the interview. So my agent and I thought, well, maybe there's some more dead people who want to talk. And we'd make this list and I would go, you know, Elvis, he's like gotten in too much trouble and Gandhi said it all and Mother Teresa was tired. And then Nicole Brown Simpson came up in the queue and that was profound. So we did this for a while until we got to John Kennedy and he said, look, this is not your idea. We're going to tell you who's coming. We've we been working on this and we want you to publish our writings. And so the next one up was Albert Einstein. And I channeled him speaking. And when I did that, that 
is the voice that came out of my channeling. I knew it and it was the voice all the way back to sound. And it was the voice even back to music because Einstein was really a musician as well. And so not having been a huge Einstein fan, I mean, who doesn't love Albert Einstein, but I wasn't, you know, gaga over him. I became so. And in 2005, I decided to do a very special book just for him on the 100 year anniversary of his miracle year. And again, I had no idea what was going to be said. I didn't have any agenda. And what happened was, in the nutshell, he delivered to me a unified field theory which is something that he could not do when he was alive. And to this day, no one's actually ever has really done it. They're getting closer. But that's how you explain how things work on the microcosm, the same as they work on the macrocosm. So far, nobody's been able to do that. So he delivered that. And in that, there was what he called the maps of human consciousness, which are uh, contain what we call the three human dimensions and it's the theory that we have to have human consciousness in order for the physical world to exist. So we are part of the creation of that physical world. And then the most stunning to me was he delivered a scientific quantifiable definition of compassion with a capital C as the fifth fundamental force of the universe. So it's the intelligence that uses the other four fundamental forces to impel the creation of the physical world one step at a time. So this was way over my head as far as science went. <laughs> and uh, some of the things in there, I was like, because what he said was the source, the void, the source where everything begins is in the center of the earth. And stuff like that, I was like, really, I'm going to go out and tell the world that, yeah, I talked to Einstein and he says that the source is in this. Okay. You know, I was again, kind of skeptical, but as I worked with that and it started to evolve and, um, I wrote imagining Einstein essays on M theory, world peace and the science of compassion, that book, uh, in 2007 got me invited all over the world to teach and train and, channel and uh get to use some of my singing too and it was just phenomenal uh, to see people actually now i've been training conflict revolution since 1999 so i have seen people transform their lives that way but with this unified field theory and these maps of human consciousness he delivered to us the um the proof his theoretical proof of why conflict revolution works why if we bring this peace within us, that there will be a natural manifestation of peace outside of us. So that was very profound. And after I'd been training for a long time, several years, I put out Einstein et al, Manifestation, Conflict, Revolution, and the New Operating System, which is the whole kind of the definitive Einstein, all completely illustrated. And then there's Conflict, Revolution, step-by-step -step instructions for how to do that. And uh, so that's kind of the body of my work right now. Wow. Wow, that is incredible. And I don't imagine that, I mean, you're in such a place right now, it seems, of, of acceptance and peace with all of this and how it's unfolded for you. But I don't imagine it was very easy along the way. And I know that 
when we spoke before, you know, you talked about some challenges in the psychological or mental health, which is kind of a joke because mind is not really separate from body or spirit, but okay. Um, let's call it mental health. Uh, how was that for you? Like coming to all of this and doing this work you're on yourself, of course. Well, as I said, I came out of a very traumatized household. And when I went out on the road in rock and roll right after I got out of high school, I was struggling with addictions. Um, I had alcohol and marijuana and cocaine and sex. And uh, so I lived a very exciting, but, <laughs> but uh, kind of a, a tortured life as a rule. And I was erratic. I was um, all those things that you imagine an addict would be. And when I finally went through treatment in 1987, that's when I started to channel. So I was sober for about five years. And in that time, that gift started to really develop for me. And then when it got into the groups and understanding that conflict revolution, what we're, we're, we're testing out these things to resolve our conflicts. That was really the beginning of me, a long period of time of using this process to heal myself. And it took a long time. In fact, when my, um, well, stayed my whole life, but when my book came out in 2007 and I was traveling the world, it was the highest time of my life. I was flying into all these cities and people were picking me up and organizing and, uh, I really was like a rock star, but I was also going through a terrible time in my life. I'd left my husband. I was getting divorced. I'd moved across the country. I was really, really struggling to maintain, but now I had this process. So I decided during that time period that I was going to do this until I got better. I didn't care how long it was going to take. It might take me years, but I was going to do this. And so for four years, I would go through these cycles of, you know, kind of, I, I said I was crawl, felt like I was crawling out of a hole by my fingernails and I would get up to the top and I'd slide back down again. And I probably cried for a year and a half straight, but I wasn't going to allow myself to hold on to this because I didn't want to bring it with me into the future, into a future relationship. And so that period of time was probably the most difficult of my life. And during that time, you know, people go, oh, you, you channel Einstein, like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I channel Einstein. No, it was, it took me a long time to really embrace that idea and tell the world that I did it. In fact, I, my whole thing was, you know, well, it, you might not believe it's Einstein, but listen to the information. And finally, people were like, stop it. This is Einstein. Stand up and, and own it. And so um, right after 9-11, I thought, you know what? All this time, peace has been, you know, a nice idea. But now it was becoming really a commodity. And so I thought, I got to come out of the closet. And I did my first group where I channeled Einstein and, and the party, the, uh, party of 12, the afterlife interviews was that book I did. And so it's taken me a very long time to really do that, to accept that and, and to see it that way. And, you know, I think part of that comes from like, we all have these 
concerns about what people are going to think of us and, and you know, how we're going to look. And I, I had a lot of that and, and it working the process and doing conflict revolution worked me through that. And now today, I would say it's been probably the past two years of my life where I feel like this work has taken me to a completely different level of stability, of self-love, of self-compassion. Um, I really, really don't care anymore what people think of me. And that whole liberation that comes when we find that kind of inner strength and solidity, solidification. So yes, this process has given me that and other people too. Yeah. And I'm, and I really want us to dive a little deeper into that, but I wanted to highlight one thing that you said, which was that, um, you know, and, and this is something I see a lot as someone who works with addiction and, and mental health issues is very often people who have this gift or talent to channel or communicate with other dimensions and beings and whatnot, a lot of them seem to end up turning to drugs and alcohol or other kinds of addictive behaviors. Sometimes I think in a way to numb that awareness or to push it away. And then we of course call them crazy or schizophrenic or psychotic or something like that, you know, and then medicine's answer is give them drugs to try to suppress that. But I have to say in working with a number of people, I've heard very similar things where when they got sober and their gifts started, you know, shining through, if they actually nurtured that gift instead of calling it a pathology or something bad, that really, really positive things have come from it. So, um, it, you know, it inspired me to hear you say that and to put it out there for folks, not to disqualify that, you know, those things don't exist, but to look a little, you know, that's the whole point of the show, like what other perspectives are there on um, the capacity that some of us have to be aware of other energies, right? Just like dogs can hear frequencies we can't hear. Some people can sense things that others may not be able to. And just because that's true doesn't mean that they're crazy. <laughs> so. Exactly. And Einstein said in Party of 12, he said that, he first of all, he said ADHD is really a disease of the parents. Because now we're trying to make children sit in desks for eight hours a day, etc. He also said that anybody who in diaries, the angel said, anybody who is labeled schizophrenic or any of that are really highly advanced, intuitive beings that do not have the structure with which to understand their gifts. And those things were very helpful to me too, as I dealt with some, you know, the dissociation and stuff was like, oh, this is really a highly evolved state although it came out of trauma uh, that I need to develop. I need to really embrace. And when we do that, we can really overcome and bring that solidification that we need. Yeah. And I think so many of us who come out of these traumatic experiences also are healers, you know, and that that's part of our journey. I mean, in, in shamanism, they talk about, you know, the healing crisis that many of us go through, whether it's a physical, for me, it was more of a physical health issue. You know, for some, it's more of a psychological issue, but nonetheless, it comes out of something traumatic. So I wanna look a little bit more at that. So trauma has this incredible impact on us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, it, 
I do think it creates inner conflict, which then gets projected outward into external conflict. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process as you've learned about it and how conflict revolution assists people in healing from that? Right. So just the very basic structure of it is from the center of the earth, um, compassion impels energy to step out of nothing and into everything and create this, they call it a particle, it's electromagnetic domain, a compilation of consciousness that surrounds you, yours, the mathematics of what you're experiencing, mine is what I'm experiencing. And from that, there's a gravitational wave that flows from the center of the earth to the surface of the earth. And when it goes to the uh, exterior, it bursts out and creates the physical body and the lens that we're, we experience the separation in. And then the string, the gravitational wave continues on into the heavens until it hits the Earth's electromagnetic field that's flowing up and down into the center of the Earth. And it spins. And that is really the basic structure of what we are. So if we're, if we're talking about that human piece of us that's created here, um, the three human dimensions of emotion, intuition, and intellect are all energy fields that flow on this wave. And when there's conflict between these three human dimensions in this non-physical part of us that we don't see, and most of the time we don't even know exists there, it perfectly projects into the lens, that conflict. So it's why the system can be a perfect system and still have all this conflict in our lives because it's perfectly projecting this conflict. So what conflict revolution does, it uses the details of the conflict in the lens, the very real conflict, for us to revolve it back to ourselves to see what the manifestations are showing us about what's in that non-physical because it's a projection of what's happening. So we have this very simple formula, these step-by-step -step instructions for how to identify that. And then you can see what the condition of your human dimensions are in. And then we have a process we call aligning to compassion, where all three dimensions are, they each have their own form and function, but they work together to create this human that we are. And when we can do that, we can look in the environment, for example, you know, if I'm very, if I'm triggered by something and um, it's somebody out there that's done something to me, I can take those details, identify them. Cause you know, the intellect and the mind is so all over the place that if we don't really focus in and get some little sound bites that are gonna sum up what those triggers are, and then we revolve those to ourselves to, and we cultivate a witness. And this work is done not in workshops. I mean, I teach in workshops, but the work that you do on it is on your own time. And it's when, say you're driving in the car or you're waiting in line at the supermarket, times where you don't have to be engaged in thinking, where you can have that luxury to step out into a witness and begin to get to know yourself. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What is my intuition telling me to do? And it becomes this really, uh, it's almost like you get to know yourself in this completely different way. Because 
I can say to myself, you know what? I'm a really nice person. I would never do that, that what that person's doing to me. But when I stop, witness myself and say, you know what? I'm going to watch to see where I might be doing that to myself or to somebody else without knowing. And I can tell you 100% of the time, I will find what I am doing, where my conflict is that has to do with that reflection. And then when I address it here and I stop disrespecting myself or I stop disrespecting this other person, I change, then the gravitational wave becomes aligned to compassion and the natural manifestation in the physical world is going to reflect that. And what I always say is people who are, you know, bothering us or triggering us or victimizing us, when we do this, they either go away or they rise to the occasion and change as well. And there really isn't any middle ground with it. It's, it's a kind of a beautiful, miraculous process. But that's the kind of work that we do. And it's stuff that you can do anywhere. You don't have to wait for that person who you've had a conflict with to make sure they sit down at the table and talk about it too. And it's a very, very elegant process. It's really uh, worthy of Einstein. Yeah. Oh, so many things I want to say in response to that. Um, you know, it it reminds me some of the things that you're talking about. You know, even in classic psychology, we talk about projection, right? This is a lot of what you're saying, like the things that you know, I have within me that are unresolved or whatever, I, I project out onto you. We see this, you know, when I work at the rehab and you have a bunch of people living together and they're all kind of unconsciously reenacting their family of origin dynamics. Oh, you're reminding me of my father, so I'm going to act this way towards you or whatever that is. Um, and also the idea that whatever bothers me about you might be something that I myself, you know, I'm projecting my judgment of that onto you, but really I judge myself for the same thing. I do this, have done the same thing at some point. I'm holding myself in that negative uh, way and putting it out on you. That's projection. We talk about that in psychology, but I think what's really interesting about this is that Einstein, you know, through you is also bringing in the energetic piece. And this is the piece that I think we don't look at in our traditional Western perspective per se, you know, we don't consider that thoughts are energy, emotions are energy, even our physical sensations are energy. We can measure the heart rate, you know, with an instrument six feet out from the body and people don't realize whatever it is you're thinking and feeling is sending vibration wave, these waves or particles like out into the world. And that is affecting the world around you. Right. Like I've had the distinct experience of driving down the freeway pissed off and in a hurry. And for whatever reason, and I seem to find every other pissed off driver on the road. It's almost like one person's in, it's like the uh, stone in the pond. It's rippling out toward everyone. And I think when you bring it to that level and you start to realize, oh, my gosh, what is the energy I'm putting out in the world and what is that creating? Then all of this to me starts to make so much more sense that if we change the vibration within and don't put out sort of this conflicted, angry, whatever, shameful energy. If we put a more peaceful, compassionate energy out there, we really can change the world. That vibration can vibrate into somebody else's universe and change what's going on there because there is no real separation anyways. 
But anyways, I'm rambling, but I, I, I love the idea of sort of marrying these concepts of the sort of the traditional and then bringing in, you know, the energetic that, that you're right. When Einstein was alive, people weren't ready to hear any of this. Oh, yes. And he, he wasn't at all ready to, to understand it until he got into afterlife. But going back to what you were saying about the groups, you know, get into a group situation and everybody's triggers are acting up and their traumas are, and they're projecting. And then you get sucked in, like, how are you going to have this conversation with somebody who's talking to you as if they're, as if you're their dad, you know, and that's why I love conflict revolution because we lay down the ground rules right at the beginning. And we have a language, we've got values and the ground rules are your domain is your responsibility and your domain is your responsibility and C one and two. This is all about us. My work is about my work. Your work is about your work. And when people are given a clear roadmap to do that work in this revolutionary way, revolutionary things happen. And in the, in the idea of, um, I think people don't understand, first of all, that we're creating the whole world anyway. I mean, that's a big, broad statement, but to be walk into a room, how I used to as a victim, you know, oh, well, that person's, you know, kind of this and the energy's all this and I'm getting all this and this. Now I can walk into the room and say, what am I going to create here? What am I going to put forth here? And when I have this unified field, people react to me differently. You know, Jesus, not that I'm comparing myself to Jesus, but he could walk through a crowd and you could touch the hem of his garment and be influenced. And early on, the angels told us, you're going to be able to go and sit in the bus and not say anything and have an impact on the people because of what you are exuding and what you are projecting. When you're projecting compassion and you're projecting love, you create a whole different world for yourself. And for those around you, I do think there's this, like it, it melts it. I mean, I've had this experience many times where I've walked into a room and people were like separated and, and you could tell there was like animosity between groups of people. And then after a while, like just me being in the space I was being, the people are starting to talk to each other and there's more intermingling and the whole dynamic has shifted. Um, and you're right, people don't understand that. And I wanted to highlight the victim consciousness aspect too, because this is such a disempowered way to function in the world. When people blame others, you made, you did this to me, you made me feel this way, you hurt me, rather than, you know, taking ownership of, I felt hurt or wounded by what you did or said, which is taking ownership of my feelings and my thoughts and putting the ball and the power back in my court that maybe I could do that differently. I don't have to allow that to hurt me in this way. Or maybe I have to look at the more original wound that this recent experience has activated, which is my original conflict from maybe early life trauma or whatever it is, but that I own it. You know, like you said, I take responsibility for it and not in a blaming, shaming way. We're not supposed to be, you know, beating ourselves up about it, but more that, oh, well then if it's within my scope of control to, you know, to shift how I'm responding to external events, then I can make different choices that work better for me and feel better to me. And then that, of course, ripples out into the world and creates something different. Yes. And we always say, I create it, 
so I can uncreate it and I can recreate it. That's the good news. The difficult news is that when we're in that victimization mentality and we don't want to take responsibility for it, it it's hard for the ego to say, well, wait a minute, you know, uh, she's lying to me. I'm not a liar. No, I'm not a liar. And it's always, that's a process of the process is that your ego is going to dust up this, you know, no, I'm not a liar. But then when we step, step back with an open mind to say, well, okay, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch and see if I'm lying, where I'm lying, where am I lying to myself, where am I lying to other people? And when you do that and you see yourself, that is the most profound way to change and the most um, kind of uh, rudimental way to change is for you to see yourself doing it and then make the decision to change. I, you can tell your clients all day long what they're doing, but when people see it for themselves, and then have that aha moment. And I had this uh, revolution many years ago uh, with my my agent actually. And it was like, she's a liar, she's a liar. Well, I knew she lied. I knew she lied all the time. And every time she'd lie, I'd be so surprised. Oh my God, she lied again. Like how many times does a woman have to lie to me? I'm lying to myself. I have to lie to myself to keep organizing time with her. Now, and I just, I, you know, I think one of the most profound revolutions I did was I was, I was sexually assaulted during that four-year period where I was had left my husband, and it was by a, a person that I knew for a long time. And I had to look in the mirror. I had to do the sound bite and ask myself what because he was a psychopath and i had to look that in the mirror and say what part of me would be so psychopathic that you would ignore who this person really was because i knew who he was i knew he was not a good person but my whole rationale was well the world's a better place if i'm sitting next to him because i can protect the world from him there was some psychopathic part of me that would do, say stuff like that and put me right next to him. And that was the beginning really of some of the deepest work that I did that cured a lot of stuff, not just, not just him, but a lot of stuff that I put up with that I would not allow myself anymore. You know, um, sometimes the lessons come in these, you know, more painful ways and, 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 you know, I know that you're in a space now where you can understand that that maybe had to happen in order for you to be where you are now, understanding how your role in, in creating that. And I think that's a really hard one for people, especially who have experienced traumatic events, is to look at because then they want to call it victim blaming, right? Oh, well, it's your fault. You let it happen. And it's not as black and white as that, you know, but also I think we have a tendency to go too far the other direction into, well, just blaming the psychopath and it's because of them and I had no role in it. That's also disempowering. Like, I think this is a lot about finding balance, which is what I also understand about conflict revolution. It is about creating more balance between these three realms of the human, you know, experience, right? The intellect, the emotions, the in intuition. You your intellect overrode or your emotion overrode your intuition in that case, right? You knew, you had the red flags, but your mind told you a story 
to rationalize that it was okay to be around him. Can, so can you talk more about that piece of the process and how do we create more balance between those different aspects? Well, if we take the three human dimensions and start with emotion, the revolutionary part of the emotion in this sense is that Einstein says, we are here to feel everything. We are here to feel it though in a different processing way than we've been taught. Because what we've been taught is you have an emotion, comes up, you do the projection, then you have to talk and talk and go into talk therapy. And what he says is talking and thinking is not feeling. That to truly feel your feelings, it's necessary to use your, use your breath and bypass thinking. So what I used to do was I had a little mantra that said, I don't need to know why I feel this. I need to just sit here and feel and breathe and then sit there and feel and breathe so that that emotion doesn't marry to that thought that projects and causes that kind of uh, victimization. So when emotion flows up, it brings with it the intuition. And the intuition is the voice of God. It's the voice of compassion within us, impelling us to take the next most advantageous step for the good of the whole system, whatever that mathematics is at the root and, and compassion, of course, do, working for the good of the whole. We're working for the good of the whole system. And as that flows up, it goes into the intellect and where the ego is. And the way that the operating system works is that intuition can impel you to do the next most advantageous thing that's good for the whole. Intellect and ego are actually the energy field where if you're gonna turn left, it's from the intellect that that happens, that your hand goes to the steering wheel and pulls it to the left. It's not intuition doesn't do that. So we've been given the power to say no to our intuition. And Einstein says that is where the root of every single conflict in this world is. Because intuition is always impelling us to do the next, and it knows what our, our minds don't know. So our job is to really, a lot of the work goes on in how we um, transform our relationship of intellect, intuition, and emotion so that Intellect is not sitting there thinking about the past and the future and trying to figure out everything. Intellect is observing what's going on in present moment and then listening for intuition. And then when intuition says, rest, intellect doesn't say, well, I can't rest. I've got too much to do. And then run off and do a, there you've got either the internal, he says it's, it's either war or cancer you know, kind of metaphorically, it either manifests outside ourselves with conflicts with our friends or family, or it manifests inside ourselves as physical Ill illnesses and, and um, dis disablement, whatever. But when we align this and we get in this state where we're feeling and breathing without letting it marry to the thoughts, we're listening for our intuition, and then we have this sort of clear thinking listening, present moment awareness, what's going on, we're always going to be guided exactly to do exactly what we need to do. And it's just a beautiful, brilliant uh, process of transformation. I'm, I'm so honored. Yeah. And I love that it is so um, present focused. We might say it's process 
oriented. It's very mindful. It's about like, yes, cultivating that ability to witness your mind, uh, the intellect, the ego, the, the emotions, the intuition. You can't, if you're not being present, if you're just kind of on autopilot, which so many people in this reality are, then you're just kind of being run by the program. So, you know, that's like, I often talk about subconscious programs, but it is in the realm of the intellect, right? Is all the belief systems, the BS systems, my friend calls them, um, that, that, you know, that we learned the programs, you know, what we were taught as little kids, how you're supposed to look, act, behave, all these things. And we're just running on those without actually slowing down long enough to like notice, does my body want to do that? Um, do I, does that actually align with my values? I mean, there's so much unconsciousness around these programs. And I love that this process gets us to be more mindful around what is actually true for me. What do, what do I want to believe? Not what do I, was I handed to believe and what is true for me, um, maybe very different than what you were programmed to believe. Yes, absolutely. And I think when people find when they go do this process, there's this kind of surprise that it's like, wait a minute, this is all about me. It's like, we're going to deal with just me. I'm going to be dealing with me, 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 me. It's like, yes, yes, yes. This is about you taking care of you and knowing you and understanding you and you're the star of your show. And um, it really, um, I always tell people that you don't have to stop being a control freak. It's just that when you're freakish about the control that actually liberates you, then you start building synergy and you start building this kind of unification within you. And, and you eventually get to where I find I have found where I've come to, which is this incredible place of um, present moment peace. I don't spend a lot of time worrying about yesterday or tomorrow. And because of that, I can choose what I want to come and create. I can intend, I fully intend to create whatever. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I fully intend to find out and then listen for intuition one step at a time. And just really quickly about intuition, people get this idea that intuition is always going to lead you to the, this, the place that's going to be the most comfortable and the most, and it's... <laughs> I wish. <laughs> well, and I had this one. It was the most profound lesson in intuition. My mother had to go into assisted living and she didn't want to go. I mean, she she made me promise that I would make sure she died at home. So we came to this point where it just couldn't be. And so we all got together, three sisters and I and my mother. And we went to this. Yes, this was the place. And it was just a mile from the house. And I was going to be at the house getting it ready to sell so we could pay for the assisted living. And it about a month into it, she called me up and said, Hey, I got this newsletter from this place. And it turns out, looks like I could be evicted. I was like, what? Well, they didn't tell us that they were just this interim company that the HUD had hired because the actual owners of the place just walked away from it and left it. And so there was this chance that within six months, if they didn't get the business up and running, everybody was going to be evicted. And I can't tell you, I was seething. I was so mad. And we had this big meeting with the, you know, and we, we decided, you know, we're just going to leave her where she is. And then I won't sell the house and we'll wait until we see. And six months pass and she's even happy. 
and there's more nurses and social workers and everything's going well. And she falls and breaks her femur and she is not physically capable of being in that place anymore. Had I not kept the house, we would have had to put her in some horrible home. And as it was, I, um, I found two homeless PCAs and installed them in the house. And that could have been a really bad situation if they weren't, but they ended up being my mother's best friends. My mom lived another three years. They were with her when she died. So the point was, is always, if I'm intuition is telling me so strongly, I'm going to, I'm going to trust it. And if it doesn't work out, I'm going to use that situation as the next learning experience rather than, oh, what was wrong with me? Okay, I'm being guided to somewhere I don't know, but I'm going to trust it. And I really, you know, think that this may be very much at the root of all mental illness or psychological conditions, whatever you want to call it, is this lack of this internal conflict between these three dimensions, intellect, emotion, and, and intuition, where one tends to predominate perhaps over the others and, um, and people don't trust themselves. Like fundamentally, that's what I see so much in my work when I work with these limiting beliefs is that, you know, I'm, I have fear and anxiety and worry about the future because I don't trust myself to be able to handle it. Or I don't trust that the universe God, whatever has my back and terrible thing, you know, the victim consciousness, bad things will happen to me that I cannot control. And I think when we finally shine a light on those BS systems and, and, and start to question them and bring in the intuitive piece and, and, and start to dis like disconnect what the intellect and the emotions are doing and how they're getting the stories getting imposed on the emotion and all the things you talked about. I think that is when we can, when we start to create inner peace and then there is no need for a mental disorder because when you're connected with yourself all in all three realms, right? What conflict is there to be had? What symptomology would actually appear? Well, what's interesting is for me, the, the reduction of inner conflict, I have very, I have so much less inner conflict that I deal with the really true external conflicts that we all face. You know, we're not, conflict's not going to go away, but we, when we deal with it differently and while you were describing, you know, people get in these, and I have too, in these anxious, anxious states where I don't trust myself and I'm scared and my mind is, like you said, when we disconnect emotion from intellect, and we deal with emotion really in this breath work and start to release it, the intellect starts to break up. The intellect starts to become more fluid. It doesn't, the, all those thoughts don't have so much power. Now they're thoughts. And as we're feeling and breathing, uh, the beautiful part about the revolution is if I'm telling myself emotionally, oh, I'm not just, I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing this right. Okay. The, the, 180 degrees is that is you're doing it perfectly. If I'm sitting there and I'm feeling anger and I'm sitting there feeling and breathing and I'm telling myself I'm not doing it right because I feel anger. When I start to say, no, no, you're doing it right because you feel anger. Now breathe, access it. Don't let it abscess within you release it. So that's a really little, uh, process point 
of revel, of revolving those those thought processes. And in the moment, you don't feel like you're doing it right. But later on down the road, after you've been feeling and breathing and releasing, you can see, oh, wow, yeah. yeah. You have to sometimes, I think, take a chance and do something different, something uncomfortable, out of the comfort zone, as you said, because I have definitely not found this evolution of my spirituality and consciousness to be an easy path <laughs> by any means uh, and not a comfortable path either. Um, but when you allow yourself to have a few experiences when you go through this and you rec recognize, oh, I came out the other side and I'm still okay, that's when I think you start to build the confidence and, and build the muscle of trusting yourself to the point where I'm with you. Like I don't experience a lot of fear and anxiety um, because I trust that whatever comes my way, I have the support, I have the tools, I have the awareness to be able to deal with it. And if I don't, I can reach out to people who do can support me in the process because it is hard sometimes when you're on your own, you have blind spots or you get stuck in something, you know, to have some support around that um, can be very helpful. So um, if people want to find out more, this has been such an amazing work that, that you have put out in the world and you have your books and we're going to put all everything in the show notes so people can easily find you. But where would you recommend if they're curious to learn more about you, your work, your uh, Einstein and what he has had to say, where do they go? I would say the best place is synergyalliance.llc. That is everything. It's all the books. It's all, it's the psychic sorority. It's conflictrevolution.org. It's all my podcasts. It's all my events. And uh, you'll find the, the whole history there. And also, I have a ton of free stuff on that on my YouTube channel, Barb With. I also have barbarawith.com, which is a little more geared just to me and readings and kind of my take on things. And my, my, I laugh because I, I'm, I just turned 69. So I'm, uh, I'm getting up into the grandma years and Facebook is really my deal. No, I'm not a TikToker, but I'm, I'm all over Facebook and, um, I'm really easy to find. Well, I'm not, I shouldn't say that it's hard to Google Barbara with, because with is a, but there you could find me. And, um, really there's a, a just a plethora of information there. You could, you could, you wouldn't even ever have to do anything or buy anything. You could learn a lot just by, by that. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, where probably you have a similar mission as I do, which is, you know, the reason we do these things is to reach a bigger audience. The reason we put out books and podcasts and things is so that more people can get the information beyond just one-on-one -on -one or small group or, or workshop or, or whatever it may be. So thank you so much, you know, for your contribution to that, because I do think the time has come, you know, it's interesting, the information you're sharing is coming through many different channels right now, many different sources. I think it's a very similar message. I think our our friends on the other side are very um, active and interested in supporting us through the challenges that are happening on the planet right now. And you and I spoke about this, you know, before. Um, I feel really optimistic actually about the future. There are many people who are very fearful and thinking, "Oh my God, we're headed for the apocalypse and the end of everything." But I actually don't feel that way and I don't think you do either. I feel that this kind of work we're talking about, the more we do our inner healing, the more that ripples out and heals the world and that actually we're on the cusp of a potential real turnaround 
um, in the in the direction we've been going. Absolutely. And and all, all of you young people are getting it really, really quickly and profoundly right now. But what I'm finding is that as I have found this trust in myself and this the, the resolution of this inner conflict that I can go into situations before where I was triggered. And this is what I'm doing now. I'm working uh, very a lot on helping to disseminate propaganda because conflict revolution is the original process to detach us from propaganda, the propaganda of the mind. But now we have so much propaganda and so many people have been subsumed by the fears and the, this, that I can now walk into those situations. And I've been doing it a lot lately where people are all just spewing the propaganda and I can, I can speak the truth in a way that isn't emotional and is persistent and breaks down the lies because one thing the, the Einstein said in a channel not too long ago, he said, when we started doing this with you and the psychic sorority, we didn't know if you were going to be inspired to want to keep doing this work because it is really hard work to do. But what we realized was we weren't going to inspire you. Truth inspires you. Truth is the natural inspiration. And I think when people like the people that you work with, the people that I had been, when I learned the truth, that I am the miracle just sitting in a chair, that, that I have this power that I can intend, that truth is what's inspiring. And I think that's what people are learning now from the truth. It's a hard lesson, but it really hits very deeply. Yes. People are waking up. And the more of us that wake up, uh, the more and faster things will change. So thank you so much for everything um, and this wonderful conversation we have. Any final thoughts for us or for the audience? Well, I just I would just like to appeal to maybe some of your listeners who are are struggling, are struggling with these kinds of issues with all the ADHD and the anxiety issues and the is that I've been there and I just want to say there is hope and there is uh, more than hope. There is a, a pathway that you can take exactly as you are that will bring you to that place of healing and liberation. And just don't give up. That's it. Just don't give up. Don't give up. You can change it. You're not doomed to this label you were given or the symptoms you're experiencing that uh, remember energy, if everything is energy and energy can change and shift and be manipulated and maneuvered and we can do that and we can change our experience. We can change our reality with with this knowledge and with these tools. So, you know, super grateful to you, Barbara. Um, super grateful to our audience who's tuned in today. Um, if you have found this information valuable, please do share it. Um, recommend this podcast to others, share it, comment, rate it, review it, all the things that allow it to get out there in the world and reach more people because now is the time for this change. So thanks everyone. See you next time on Kaleidoscope of Possibilities. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. 
To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.